I feel like that scene kind of softens the blow of her death later on a little bit because like she's lived her own life too. Like she's done all these things and she she was a whore in Casablanca. Is that what you're saying, Alon? You don't, you don't, you don't <laughs> really live. You don't really live until you become a whore in Casablanca. Okay, David. Well, that's my plan. You know, second life. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched Jojo Rabbit. And today we have a very special guest, Nico, who has a pot who is a podcaster himself and has multiple podcasts. Well, Nico, if you could just tell tell people where they can find you. Uh and uh your TikTok, your Twitter, your yes. podcasts. Thank you so much. my friend. Yeah. So I have a lot that I randomly do in appearance. So I'll do like the condensed version. So um, Twitter is at Nico Caruso. That's N-I-K-K-O-C-A-R-U-S-O. I spell it way differently than almost everyone. And then on TikTok, it's at Nico Knows Film, which sounds pretentious, I know, but it was like the three ends or it's like the two ends, um, which works. And um, my Twitter is the best place to find me, reach me, talk to me. And all my other shows I do, I do some comic book ones. Um, I've been on some other film ones. You can see that all in my Twitter bio. And then TikTok is mainly film reviews and uh, light commentary on the award season that's really picking up for film. So uh, come talk to me. I love talking. I love I love forming connections, being on shows. But I'm just happy to be here talking about this movie. And uh, cool to be on the show for the first time. Um, I'm finally on I Finally Watched. I get to say <laughs> that, right? <laughs> um i i think you know this is this is cool this is a cool movie we're doing because yeah uh, i i i tend to be the one who has like finally watched the films Uh, at least i mean david and i had a good 50 50 run for a while but then it's just kind of like because david's so fucking old he's watched more movies than i have um this is from from 2019 (laughs) so um uh, but it, it's cool that that you got to choose this film, Nico, especially since uh, Dave and I actually had this film on our minds quite recently. Um, we like to do films that are at least three years old or older. And so this one just so happens to hit the mark this year. So it, it works out beautifully. Um, but my experience with it is is cool in a sense that I didn't think I would like it as much as I did. And not only did I like it, but I have to say it is like now in my top like 10 or 15 movies of all time. I liked it that much. I personally like kind of rate a movie on the emotional impact it has me, like whether it makes me laugh or cry or or just some sort of like emotional, uh, you know, in my soul, I feel the film, and that's how I judge if it's a, if it's a good film or not for for myself. And the fact that not only have I seen it once this week, but I've seen it twice this week, and I probably cried more on the second watch. I think that says a lot. <laughs> so, so Nico, what was what was your experience on like the first time you watched this? Well, first of all, I mean, I, I don't uh, bury the lead too much how I feel about it, but that makes me so happy to hear. Um, because I also love this movie a significant amount and I'm the same type of viewer as you are. So it's cool that I've, as I've gotten to know, you now. I hear 
how you digest film is that I'm a very emotional viewer as well. So if you can get a lot of emotion out of me, I will rate the movie higher. It's why I was someone, um, I was probably in the minority of film Twitter who was very happy that Coda won Best Picture last year um, because that movie was really emotionally effective for me. And I also have experience and work with people with exceptionalities when it comes to language and communication, whether it be speech or hearing. So um, that movie hit me significantly. But my experience with this movie is I remember seeing it um, back in 2019 in theaters, actually. And um, at the time, I was going back and forth on if I liked Taika or not. Because <laughs> I liked what we do in the shadows. Love Hunt for the Willer people. Oh, yeah. Did not like Ragnarok. Get and the fuck I'm out like, of here. I, Get sorry, out of here right David. now. <laughs> sorry, David. Did not like Ragnarok because I'm like, oh, I didn't want his, how he makes movies. I didn't like it for that story in Thor. I've grown I, to, I understand I've grown that. to appreciate it, but like, I'm also that. a big comic book guy. Um, so my opinion of the comic book film is also sometimes so tied to the source material. I hate myself for it. Um, I don't actually hate myself for it, but I can be hated for it. Example right now. Um, so, but anyway, so I walked into Jojo rabbit and I knew I was going to have, I knew it was going to be funny. Cause just the, just that's, he normally hits with his humor for me and just the satire of everything. I knew I was going to have a good time with that. And from trailers or anything, I didn't know it was going to emotionally hit me like a freight train destroy you walking the theater wiping tears from me and um i also so that's my experience with i really liked it and then when covid hit um and we had to stay inside i still lived with my parents at the time i was in grad school and i remember this is one of the movies i showed my dad and my dad can be a really tough sell for movies and i threw this one on and i'm like oh i don't think he's gonna like it and he was like you he was sobbing by the end of the movie and then was calling people the next day saying like, have you seen Jojo rabbit? I love this effing movie so much. So, um, <laughs> so, so like a cool additional story to it, but yeah, I was, I was not expecting to be as emotionally floored as I w- was. And uh, yeah. So, and I don't know if Alon remembers this, but we, so we had our first kid uh, like July of 2019. So we did not make it to the theaters much from then until the start of covid and then you know obviously i've probably seen like maybe like six or seven movies in theaters since then um and alan and his wife now wife were like oh we want to watch that with you i was like oh, okay but we live in different cities and so eventually ashley and i just watched it one night and we told them and they're oh. like they're like what the fuck we we're supposed to you're supposed to wait for us on that I was that's like, yeah. right that's right yeah. all right so so yeah so i i watched it while i was um on a work uh thing and when i came home which was just yesterday actually uh i turned it on and i was like i gotta watch it a second time just to get a refresher uh for the episode will you watch it with me and she was like yeah i wanted to watch this with you in theaters and (laughs) we didn't and i go yeah i wonder why we didn't and 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 that's right david now i freaking know why we didn't because of you well yeah but i didn't watch it until like January I watched it uh like in preparation for the Oscars that year and I watched I still haven't seen still haven't seen like Little Women from that year which I bought it and I need to watch it but I also need to watch I need to watch like a thousand movies sure and so like and so it's like it always is like oh I need to watch that I need to watch that I just finished John Wick 3 today which I have a lot of thoughts on but not for this podcast um 
but I feel the same way about this. I, I will also say Alon has um, about 200 movies in his top 15 movies. So if you ever actually tried to get him to list it. I, I, <laughs> I cry a lot. Okay. <laughs> I can um, relate to you there, my friend. But yeah, I love this movie. Um, and it's also kind of funny to see because I listen to some movie podcasts, like a little bit of the backlash uh, about the movie, you know, because of the the Hitler. Um, and I just didn't really <laughs> Let's get talk anything. about the Hitler in the room. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't, but just to say, like, I didn't really, I, I can understand that backlash, but I think it's like wrong. You know what I mean? Like, I, I get, I, I get why it happens, but I don't agree with it. I'm glad you brought up the backlash piece because, like, kind of like you both said, like, I get it, but I also think it's wrong because uh, the movie's a satire and it is never – I think it's maybe just the image because the swastika and Hitler, it's it's so ingrained in our minds visually as being just this bad thing and it is. But the movie is a satire and it's, it's making fun of how they use propaganda and stuff and uh, it's also making fun of Hitler. So that's why for some of the for some of the backlash it got or for some of the negative reviews of the satire, I'm like, I don't get it because it is not one time even trying to say that any of this was okay. Um, the, the reason why I, th- I think what he does with this is so genius too is um, it was Bo Burnham, I believe. He said this quote in one of his specials, which really resonated with me. He said, you can tell anyone anything if you make it funny. If you make something funny, you can tell anyone anything and then you reflect on it and get it. And I love how there's a really dark story here and the way that the Nazi party, they did this with their youth, but also with the people who tried to stand up to it is terrible. It's disgusting. But if he made, if they made a movie that was so self-serious like that, the message might not you know, resonate as much or it might be a film that turned people off because it's so depressing. So he made it really funny so we could digest it and talk about it. But then I bet if we tried to record a whole episode just on all the serious thematic stuff in here, we could go all day because that's how genius it was. I I feel like when we try to do an episode on a movie that is just a comedy, like a like a plain comedy, uh, David and I find that we kind of run dry very quickly and those tend yeah. to be our shorter episodes. And I feel like on a Coming movie in three weeks grind, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I find also that if the movie is really serious, the only way that we are able to get like David and I, we try to always put like a comedic spin in all of our episodes. Of course, of course. Um, I mean, just the, the, our cold opens are like the funny or the second, I always say they're the second funniest um, part of the episode. And you have to listen to the whole episode to find the funniest. I love um, that. So the, the most serious episodes are always the funniest episodes for us. And the comedies are always kind of, I hate to say it, but kind of the most boring episodes for us. Um it's and I think quoting, it's quoting lines the entire time. It's quoting lines that, that were mm-hmm. funny. So when something is super serious, like the Nazi party in World War II and stuff like that, and you go to reflect on it, you can't help make fun of it in a funny way if it's if it's not just your kind of your um, defense mechanism to go towards that yes. kind of stuff like that. It um, normally is. But mm-hmm. it it. It's like the what what did what did they say the best comedy comes from tragedy, right? Yes. And that's, uh, amen. So, it, when I was watching this movie, it reminded me of of a lot of 
Wes Anderson stuff a bunch. And so yeah. I, I, I was like, this is like if Moon Rise Kingdom meets Schindler's List. Mm. And it's like, maybe not, Schindler's, maybe not Schindler's List. I, when, when, when you see the people hanging and the people getting shot, like just straight, I mean, that's very Schindler's List ish ish. And, uh, I don't know, but then you have like the little kid stuff and you have the imaginary Hitler and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, that's, if I had to describe this movie to someone who has never heard or seen this movie, I would be like Moonrise Kingdom meets Schindler's List. That's the film. Maybe do, maybe do a better job of explaining it. So one of the, <laughs> one of the comments, like I, when I was uh, hearing people talk about the movie, someone said that they were in a theater and people were laughing and they didn't know if people were laughing for like the right reasons. Right. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, if, if something's fun, like this movie's clearly the entire time making fun of Nazis. Right. So even in the parts where like um, Thomas and McKenzie is describing Jews as like, <laughs> like they are funny lines where he's like, all right, well tell me where the queen Jew is and where she lays her eggs. Like it's absurd. And it's yeah. funny because you have this kid and some of the other Nazis who believe it like rebel Wilson. And then like you have the, yeah. Sam Rockwell is like a more nuanced like character, but it's, it's, (laughs) it's funny because of the, the absurdity of it. And it's poking fun at the idiot. Like Thomas and McKenzie, even one point says, you're really an idiot, aren't you? You know what I mean? And and the other thing that I, what I like about this movie, and it's something I read that Taika Waititi said, I read it after watching it the first time this week. And before I watched it the second time, because originally when I watched it, I was like, this movie is just so funny. What are we going to talk about? Um, Mm -hmm. But then he was like, what I wanted to do is make a movie where everything seems pretty normal and just underneath is the third Reich. And so for uh, Jojo, everything is normal Mm -hmm. and he doesn't really notice all of these things until it's pointed out to him until as he grows, but it's right underneath, you know, there's a scene like at dinner where the mom's like, Oh, I'm not eating. And it's because she's saving it for Elsa, but it's like, she doesn't have enough to make food for three people because of yeah. how bad things are in Germany. And the, the, if you look at what she has, it's like a piece of bread and like one other thing, you know what I mean? Like things are really bad, but you, you have to kind of look for it. And I imagine it would be, you know, somewhat similar to be in that place where it's like, you have to go on living your normal life as the Americans are like moving closer and closer each day as the Russians are coming from the other side. You know what I mean? So I, I think it's kind of at least trying to be a little bit true to, to what the experience may have been like, but also it's just like, yeah, it's trying to show in a satirical way, like these guys were idiots and it's, mm-hmm. you know, I think it helps obviously that uh, I think uh, Taika Waititi is like part Jewish, but it's and like, it- Go ahead. And it goes off what you said too. Yeah, sorry. And it goes off what you said too to build on it. And I think this is why his direction of, in the film is so strong. And I'll talk about a little bit more about his direction later. But he's also capturing because you're following JoJo so much. He's capturing the innocence that JoJo has. The world does seem normal to him. He's a kid, but because he's a kid, it is so much easier for the for the propaganda to absorb him. Because kids kind of just go with what they see as normal, but they're also easy to manipulate. And that's why the movie's brilliant on rewatch, because the more you watch it, you're you're seeing things from JoJo's lens. But then because you're an audience member, we're older, we, we, we start noticing all the other detail and nuances of the other adults. And you're starting to see that deeper, scarier thing. For example, I love that you brought up that Sam Rockwell is a very nuanced character, because as the film progresses, you see he's not even 
a firm believer, obviously, in what they're doing. He just does it because he has to. Like, that's his role. His role is to educate this kid. He knows it's wrong. And that pays off with JoJo at the end when he saves his life. He knows he doesn't want this for JoJo. He's better than it. He knew that his mom, Rosie, was a good person. So it's, uh, it's yeah, no. That's the movie. One of my favorite lines in the whole movie is like, actually, I have two favorite lines in the whole movie. One's like super funny, one's super funny serious one is uh of course i'm a nazi i'm totally into swastikas <laughs> it's <laughs> like, so i love that breakdown in like the language you like uh it's so funny oh and then my other one is when elsa draws a picture she's like he wants her to draw pictures of the the jews and so she draws a picture of his like ugly head and he goes this is just mm-hmm. my head and he's like you were gonna tell me you're gonna draw a picture where the jews live and she's like yeah they live in your head and, yeah, uh, you know, I was like, "Oh, it's so, it's so fucking good." <laughs> I thought so you're gonna, I thought you're gonna bring up the line because we were talking about Sam Rockwell, and I think if you were gonna have like an actual issue with this movie, and it's an issue that Sam Rockwell runs into a lot, it's painting a bad person as a sympathetic figure, you know, because you have three Bill Wards <laughs> uh, just a few years later, or no, a few years before, when the f- few years it took a couple years before, and um, but I don't. I don't actually think it is doing that because Sam Rockwell even has this line at the very end. And he's like, you know, I'm sorry about Rosie talking about his mother. She was a good person. He's like an actual good person, you know, because it's it's mm-hmm. kind of yeah, it's kind of talking about himself like, yeah, yeah, he he's a good person in this movie. But she's like an actual good person because she had the will to like fight openly against these people openly, semi openly, whereas he was kind of doing a couple things but being hidden for the most part and mm-hmm. still like wearing he, he the was uniform. mostly a coward. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that's, that's represented so well in um, Elsa giving him the documents of the sister and sh- her getting the birthday wrong. And you could right because um, the Gestapo comes and, and Sam Rockwell kind of figures that he's been found out. So he like starts to hand over the papers and that's not what he's interested in. And if he did, though, if he grabbed those papers from Sam Rockwell and saw that the birthday was wrong, you could easily just say, oh, he's missing one eye. He could say, oh, that seven looked like a one to me or that one looked like a seven to me or however which way they they came about it. Right. But he knew who she was because he's known that family for years, I I have to Mm -hmm. assume. Like there's no record of of his sister's death, like he explained. But Sam Rockwell's character knows that that little girl died and at least that's the way i took it and i think another great thing about this movie is all the subtlety is like the interpretation that you can take it from yourself like the characters know this or the nothing else nothing is too much thrown in the audience's face like an over explanation of everyone and how they know each other and blah 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 Mm -hmm. blah. but what you get from their relationships is 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 what you fill in the gaps in your head and so that's like a good representation scene of his nuanced character is him kind of protecting a jew on a fact that a mm-hmm. girl he knows is a jew and that's kind of the beginning i so yeah i mean i can see that but also those people are just wrong so there you go yeah i uh, also love to a, a, a big nuance part of his character that has once again there's everything that's really really funny in here i, I also do believe is have a bigger thematic thing to it but his like his subtle relationship with Alfie Allen's character too is just so funny. And like their performances do of it are pitch perfect until they're like fully embraced at the end and all their like 
outfits and everything, but it's like the first time when he like stares at them and they like look at each other's mouths and he's like, uh, and then he goes back. Like they build, that's such a funny nuanced part of it is that like they're in love with each other. Well, uh, oh, and then he has the, he has the pink triangle at the end too to signify yes, that he, yes. he was, uh, mm-hmm. he was gay. Uh, last couple of things I want to talk about for, before we get into it is one. Um, so I noticed when I, when the movie came on, it's a Fox searchlight movie, which I forgot, but Fox, you know, bought by Disney, like with their, mm-hmm. with their history and like Walt Disney's like potentially closeted, like anti-Semitism. Like, I don't even know if they oh, would release point. this movie. You know what I mean? Like they're lucky it like got good out point. before the merger. <laughs> You think you think that they they wear that on their sleeves so much? I think they would just would have like the controversy surrounding it. With they, they are like Disney is at a point right now where they're so anti any controversy whatsoever, and especially tell, something like tell this. Me about it. <laughs> um, and the, the other thing I want to say is like this movie is only so good because and there's like one main child actor and one side actor, but they're well and Thompson McKenzie, but she's like 19, so I mean she's like. They're like just all so amazing in this. You know what I mean? And Roman Griffin Davis, who plays Jojo, yeah. like has to do so much comedy. And then like the, the one scene that we're going to talk about. And he like plays it fucking perfectly. Like better than mm-hmm. like better than some like adult actors I've seen like cry. Yeah. Yeah. He I I was mad. I really thought uh, he should have gotten an Oscar nomination that year. I, they, I, I really do. It, it's uh it's that kid from uh oh my god what's that movie he's like the youngest that ever won a um oh yeah i forget you know which movie i'm talking about yeah. he's he's the only one that can win one yeah. in like it, it has to it, it has to be like another 20 30 years before another small child can win an small oscar child can win um even the kid who plays yorkie though oh my god yeah. Oh my god, Yorkie is like my favorite character. His delivery of everything is so like I envy that delivery for all the lines like "Ooh, Jojo, a girlfriend!" Like everything he says or um, between, he's like, I love his line. One of my favorite lines in the movie is, uh, "And our only friends are the Japanese, but between you and me, they don't look very." <laughs> Right, right before that line, that's Yorkie's best scene. Like that whole like ending thing, that's his best scene. Because like right before that line, he's like, um, he's like, yeah, I think she's kind of my girlfriend, but but she's a Jew. And Yorkie's like, I don't know, Jojo, we got bigger things to worry about. <laughs> he's like, there are worse things than Jews. Have you seen these Russians coming in? I hear they eat dogs. <laughs> Yeah. They eat dogs and they kill babies and eat dogs. No, no, no. they eat babies and eat they babies. and they have sex with dogs. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's like, he's like, we don't want the Russians to come here because they're gonna eat us and have sex with our pets. Okay. Oh, it's so it's so funny. You know, it's uh, one last little thing about uh, him. Uh, so Archie Yates, the place Yorkie is. So as a kid that grew up as a fat little kid, there's this scene right after, uh, like in the beginning, where. Jojo's <laughs> running around, Heil yeah. Hitlering everybody, and then he comes up to him, and then uh, comes up to Yorkie, and he's like says hi, and then they start running off, and you see Yorkie running, and I was like, I wonder how many times they made him do that scene, and like <laughs> he's not keeping up, and I was like, I'd be like, Taika, can we can we fucking cut this shit out? Like we got this. I thought you were gonna mention the scene where he he's like, uh, I thought I was your best friend, and he goes, 
Uh, well, look, unless you're the third Reich hidden in a little fat boy's body, <laughs> then then I would take second place. And he's like, I'm just, yeah. I guess I'm just a little boy hidden in a fat boy's body. <laughs> yeah. Or his My- line at the end, sorry, the last one is when, uh, is when Jojo, when he sees him right at the end and Jojo's like, oh, I thought you were dead. He's like, it seems like I can never die. <laughs> Because he does, he escapes so much in the movie. He escapes death like two or three times. He seems like I could never die. We just saw JoJo almost get killed by the Russians with um, what's his name? So Sam Rockwell. So I mean, like the when you see Yorkie after that, like holy shit, Yorkie made it. Yeah, he made it. We even see on his back that he has some sort of like blown burn or something. Yeah, Um, and Rebel Wilson was sticking grenades to the back. The backs of the kids and making fun. them run to the to the enemy. That was and the was darkest like, part of the movie. That was that was <laughs> because... the one scene where, like, I won't lie to you, that's the scene where it's funny. Don't get me wrong, it's funny. That might be the scene though, where, like, if I was one of the producers, I would be like Taika. Mm. Maybe I'm. I get it. It's funny. It's also really dark. What are you going for? I might make you take that out. She could keep the flamethrower and run into battle. Uh, but the giving kids grenades and letting them run, I'd be like, yeah, Taika, that's where I might need to. But you know what, though? Bit. You know what, though? To paint Nazis as as bad as they are, you need scenes like that to, that is to a, run yeah. home. Because it's not like you're it's not like you're putting in a in a, a good character and, and having like, a, like an irredeemable yeah. act. You're putting someone who's also she's she's seconds away from dying herself. So yeah. it's like, whatever, you know. Well, yeah, and I mean, and you have a character who's been funny for you the whole time, and so then you're at the end showing, like, yeah, they're they're all evil. Um, so let's get into it. Um, it starts off with Hitler, and I think one, one thing realizing it on these watches, Taika as Hitler is maybe the least important part of this movie, and probably like the part that was most controversial. But it's like it's all funny, and you kind of see like this deterioration between Taika and the little kid uh, and uh, Jojo. But it's like you cut that out of the movie and it's basically the same movie besides yeah. those funny parts. Same movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Although I think he's such a great representation of Jojo's love and hate for the Nazi movement throughout that every time he gets close to his mom, you see Hitler like yeah. steaming in the background and then his complete dismissal of him at the very end i think you're right like we would have gotten that as an audience but as a visual representation of of his abandonment of the nazi party no better way is fuck you hitler and then kicks like uh, curb sans mouth priceless. the window you know priceless. the thing i really like to is um kind of like you just touched on is it is it also shows the complexity in jojo and that a lot of those scenes you're right you you could take those out and you have the same movie at the same time though you you keep those scenes in the movie and that's really when you see jojo battling with everything and it's it it is funny how their relationship and their both performances with each other progress as well um and um, it also there are some of the there are some also great lines from Taika too, though. Like when he, one of my favorite lines from him is um, uh, where you think you're going in her mind or his mom, I want you to go the other way. Like it's just, it's that big. So um, 
but and and I do think it's it's but it's also such a bold swing that I respect because you could have like you said you could have made the movie without Taika playing Hitler and he chose to really double down on it and do it and um I do think the movie while you could have made a similar movie with it I do think the movie is better for having it in there Oh yeah, I mean it's still one of my favorite parts of the movie. It's still like it has all of the comedy in it. I was just saying, like from getting the point across of the movie, and yeah, as Alan already said, you need the fuck off Hitler at the end. Oh, just because it's funny. Yeah. Um. So after this, I really love the um. Once again, it's like we, you know, I made the comment about that person saying, "Why are you laughing at it?" But him saying, like, as a little kid, yelling "Heil Hitler" to everyone as he's running with the Beatles, like, "Hold my hand." Like one, I just like. It it is funny because you're painting like this very like picturesque like kid like sweet moment of him running like happiness as he's saying how Hitler to everyone he passes probably saying it to people who are like fuck Hitler you know what I mean like not everyone is happy that the, the Hitler is there um, but I, and and also right before that you have the scene with him and uh, when he starts the Heil Hitlering with Taika and he's like Heil Hitler who's Hitler like just say oh, like throw it away just throw it away. <laughs> I, I love how much Taika Waititi doesn't look anything like Hitler, and that's that's even more like perceived because he there's so many shots of him standing in front of the actual poster of Hitler in his room <laughs> in the background, and it's just like yeah we know but we don't care and the blue contact lenses oh my god it's hilarious and I'm pretty sure he wore some sort of like a little pudgy fat suit to just make uh I've never seen Taika Waititi shirtless but I'm pretty sure he's just ripped as hell that's how I imagine him uh. So, wiry. I guess wiry. Wiry? Yeah, okay. All right, man, whatever. Um, but yeah, the, to make him just like this this fat try hard. You know, he, he Aryan race is like this perfect everything, blah 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 blah. So to make him like a little pudgy and a little like kind of dorky, I don't know, I just really wor- I that's when I don't understand what people are like, oh, they're they're paying homage too much to the to the Nazis. It's like every step of the way from wardrobe to dialogue is making fun of these people. And I think on top of it, they also make fun of it set that tone set by Jojo at the beginning where he's hiling everyone. That's like a consistent absurd thing. He doubles down on where like when they all walk in the room, they all have to hile. Yeah. Even it takes, there's like the one scene where they all have to do it. And it takes like two to three minutes. Like it's hilarious. So, but that's the absurdity. Like they, they relied on that so much or they had to do that symbol so much. And, and, and it's like, it's ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. But to Jojo, he gets it to make sense to the adults, to us as the viewers. It's, it's this utterly ridiculous piece of piece of formality. Yeah. So, and then uh, we get to Nazi moonrise kingdom and it's like, it just looks so much like moonrise kingdom. And this part is just like, just pure comedy to then set up why Jojo's going to be at home for the rest of this movie. But like so many fucking lines, but like one of the ones they're like three, two, one swastika. And then they get in the shape of swastika. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you, if you notice this, but when Hitler runs uh, next to him and they jump over the barricade or log or whatever, he puts his arms up like like a swastika like he when he jumps right. and runs he he himself looks like a swastika god so funny and then they're like the burning of the books and it's like all of the all of these things they're doing that they just like they're they're at summer camp and this is fun for them and they don't realize like the evil they're participating in 
I, I don't think all of them are unaware. You have the few older boys who are like killed a rabbit. And I think those, those guys, and I, I, what I love about the, the character arc of those guys is they're so excited to go to war until they are coming back from it. And then, and I don't think that hits with Jojo until the very end too, is where the war is at his front doorstep. I think it hits to him earlier, right? I think it hits him when he sees his mom, but I think the war itself that he's like, Oh, we're at war and we're so excited for it. And then he sees it firsthand and that slow-mo camera yeah. going around him and he's just terrified. Um, that that's like the full arc coming into place. It also just shows the, once again, the power of the fear and the propaganda. Cause like you're right. Those boys are motivated. Those older ones are like, it's an honor. I'm going to go to war and represent the fuel. Like I'm going to do all that. And then it, it, literally that art comes full circle and you see really what the price of war is, but the way they do it at that camp and they really strategically brainwash these kids, they make them burn everything they learn. Like they really fully try to immerse them in this. Um, it just makes Jojo's arc and the story that they're, that they're trying to tell overall so much stronger um, with the right amount of levity in it. Cause then you'll get something funny from York here when like he throws the grenade and lands right by him. He's like, shit. Like it's, and then it cuts to, cuts to Rockwell going, don't do that. <laughs> well, I, one, yeah. there's the, like some of the funniest stuff in this too. Like one right after he won't like uh, kill the rabbit. And the, <laughs> Hitler is like, dude, they used to say crazy stuff about me. Like, look at that psycho. He's going to get all of us killed. And he's like, come on. And, and I love the introduction of Rockwell too, by the way, like the, the shooting where he's just like, can two eyed people do this? <laughs> <laughs> or just like, too, it's like the, the way he lets some of the dialogue be like modern where he eats the apple and then he just throws and goes, Heil Hitler guys. <laughs> it's like, such like a casual, like a modern way of saying it, you know, Hey guys. Well, his casualty not casualty but his casualness of everything is eventually casualty eventually yeah yeah, yeah. um it, it's like all through the movie because you see him in his get up and it's not it's not as tight like his his vest his jacket and his belt and his shoes it's not as tight as everyone else's and then the next thing you see him where he's teaching them how to throw the grenades he has his vest open, his shirt open. It's very casual, very relaxed. Mm -hmm. So you you can see that um, uh, another, I think it's another great line from Elsa where he's like, oh, so you've given up on your country. And she's like, they've given up on me first. And, and with Sam Rockwell, it's kind of the same thing where he lost the eye and they demoted him so much that mm -hmm. he's, he has this really, I really don't give a shit about being here kind of view, mm -hmm. which works in our main character's favor at the end. So yeah, I like that cause and effect throughout the whole film. Well, and I think to what you were just saying, when you first see Sam Rockwell and his opening lines are, you know, I got injured. So now I'm not allowed to do what I'm trained to do, which is fight for the Fuhrer. You're thinking like, Oh, he's dressed casually because he doesn't give a shit anymore. Cause he doesn't get to go to war. And then as the movie plays on, you realize, no, he just, he doesn't like agree with all of what they're doing. You know what I mean? He's like, when Jojo's like, oh, this are what, these are what Jews are like. He's like, huh, no, they're not. And they're like, 
he's like, I wouldn't even know what a Jew looked like if they, you know, if they weren't wearing the funny hat. You know what I mean? He's just like, he, he doesn't buy into all the, the bullshit. It's cause it's cause when he was sent home after his eye accident, he had time to think, realize he's gay and then realize that it's every, they're representing everything he's actually, or he's for, they're representing everything that he's against it. He met, well, he met Freddie Finkel. He did. He met Freddie Fingal, but you both beautifully touched on where, where, like where my brain went, and it was actually going to be something I asked, but you guys already started talking about, it, so I just pick up on it. Is part of me also on rewatch because I've seen this movie like four or five times since I first saw it in theaters. I also took it as to there that he he does have that frustration, or or it appears he has that initial frustration and like screw it mentality i i can't do what i'm supposed to i got demoted but as the movie goes on i i interpret it as kind of like you just said Alon, is he did it he got there saw the horrors of it all and knows he can't necessarily leave or desert so he is stuck doing this and he almost is punishing himself and he hates himself for it and then at yep. the end he's actually able not that he's because i david i like that you brought this up earlier like the, there's a fine line of making someone too sympathetic when they're not necessarily perfect but i do think he's able to um he has a couple overt actions he's able to do to leave some to to do something right and that's why i i love the idea of i hate when like villains or gray characters like that sometimes when they get to live so i do love that he did those things but he still dies in the end right like so he's still because of everything he did in his life unfortunately he's gonna die he's not perfect he doesn't get that perfect ending but he did do a few things right to be able to be at peace with it well and and, and one thing i want to say is <laughs> Whenever, whenever someone, it's the same rock. It's the same argument with the other Rockwell role, um, three billboards. It's like, the same. It's the same Rockwell. It is. It is the same Rockwell. Same, same Rockwell. Same, same Rockwell <laughs> argument that I don't really like. You portray a character how he is, and how you feel about it is how you feel about it. You know what I mean, if it mm-hmm. garners mm-hmm. sympathy from you, then that's what happened. You know what I mean. Um, so like if you just play him one note, like that's, that's fine. Right. But I mean, there are probably, there were probably Nazis like this, right. You know, you're not saying that like, you're not, you're not like saying that like, oh, you know, they weren't all bad. You're saying there were people like this and they still were Nazis. Mm -hmm. They're still bad people. Um, the, the, the only thing I can think of, cause I like playing devil's advocate in, in, in this situation, in this situation that people have a problem with his arc or redemption arc, um, I think it's hard to look at this movie and not see all the Nazis as satirical plays on what they are. And then like Rebel Wilson, 100% satirical, right? There's no deeper level character right on her than than. She's a Nazi. She's also the uh, a comedy piece in the film. Um, when you try to add this deeper emotional involvement in in a character that you in the beginning of the movie labeled as a satirical character, your brain is like, "Oh, this is coming out of left field. Where is this coming from?" It it almost feels tacked on. I don't feel that way, but I'm saying if you if you could feel that this is tacked on in a way. Then you could say, "Oh, this comes out of nowhere, giving this re- giving this very flat character 
uh, an undeserved redemption arc. That's how I can see people having an issue with it. Not that everyone's a complex human being and no thought is just a, is just a one track thought because in real life, everyone is a complex human being and everyone has different, you know, different thoughts happening at the same time. Um, but because his character is played or because all the Nazi characters are played. So one note giving one of them this deeper level might come off as like, I don't know what to do with this information. Well, Jojo is also a Nazi though. Although Elsa, he's not really a Nazi. He's just a little boy who wants to be part of a club and likes swastikas. So after he blows himself up, we finally get to meet Scarlett Johansson, which we're like 20, 25 minutes in. Um, And as I said, this is just like a reason to get him home. But I love, I just, well, one, I love Scarlett Johansson, but two, I love her in this role. Like we first meet her. And then she takes him to Sam Rockwell and just immediately knees him in the nuts and is like, you scarred my boy. Now find him a job. This is, I'll be straight up with you. Um, her, her entrance in here is, is so fiery and it's so perfect. This is, as we talk more about her as it goes on, this is one of my favorite Scarlett Johansson roles. I think it's one of her best ones. I agree. Um, in, in which, in it's funny if with her double nomination, that year because she also was nominated for the lead in marriage story as well it's it's funny if you made me like if there was a rule where like you had to like remove one of them i would have kept this as her nomination and took out her one from marriage story that's how effective and she does a lot with the comedy but the deeper stuff on her she brings a lot of nuance and a lot of depth in this role um so just shout out to scar joe for this role that's kind of all well, I wanted to say there. Scar Joe, if you're listening. Like, shout out to Scar shout Joe. Shout out to you, yeah. Shout out to you. So, what's funny, too, because, you know, in Marriage Story, she has that one fiery scene where her and um, Adam, shit, Driver. Adam Driver are, like, yelling back and forth at each other. And that's, like, the reel that gets her, like, the Oscar, um, yeah. the, the nomination, at, at least. And so... With this one, it's such, as you said, it's like nuance is a thing you throw out at so much when you talk about stuff like this. But she's playing a woman who is trying to put on this front for her son that everything's all right. But at the same time, her like world is terrible. She hasn't heard from her husband in years. She's fighting off the Nazis and she's always putting on this brave face. And like the way she acts differently with Jojo versus Elsa, it's it's so perfectly done and so yeah i agree with you that this is like i wish she had like this is the one i appreciated more i think a big problem with oscar nominations and i'm i do not i i enjoy watching the academy awards for shit like that happened last year but i do not think that they are perfect at all i don't hold the you know the bible to it but the the Focus on best actor, best actress um, awards, I feel like are too action. Like they focus on like giving the nominations to people who are very animated in their roles and, yes. and such things yes. and not so much reactive. And it's like that's that's I think that's even harder to do as a good actor is is when you're when you're being yelled at or when you're taking in a line from another from a fellow actor it's how you react to that line and whether, I mean, that depends on whether the editor or the camera, or the director gives you enough screen time to show your reaction to it, obviously, but you can yell. Anyone can yell. David can yell. You can yell. I can yell. But it, the, the, how we take 
it in that it is so nuanced to and the way she does it uh, in this movie a scene I'm thinking of is when they're on the bridge they're on the steps and they have that conversation and like David said she has this front that you know from her son it slowly breaks down starts to break down when you see the hanged people and he's like what did they do and she said you know um what they could what they could and uh but my favorite part is when they're walking back home before they get on their bikes and you know like when you're with your mom or dad or when you're a little kid you're the one who always wanted to walk up on the wall and your parents walked on the on the ground and she's the one walking up on the wall and jojo's walking on the ground and it's just like that that and it's not so much her it's so much direction but it's a great representation on like she has a mentality it just represents her character so well that she has this mm-hmm. kind of like playful mentality and jojo being tin is already he thinks he's so grown up so he's going to take the more like adult way but his mom brings that out of him his mom always is able to bring out the the child playfulness out of him i think i think it's just a beautiful relationship they set up throughout the whole movie i just thought it was so he could memorize her shoes well, that that too, but you you also see those shoes at the at the pool scene too. You know, those are always in the view. So the the next part of this, it's like really ha- crazy how much he plays this like a horror movie when he discovers Elsa, like the music to when he actually finds her and she starts chasing him. It's like the ring when she comes out, right? Her hand coming out of the cupboard, yeah. And then she goes up to him. She's like, "You know what I am. Say it." He's like, ghost. It's like, no, Jew. Like, <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> like, fucking Twilight. Like, like Edward yeah, being like. But I mean, everything from the music, too, right? Like, it is, that is a pure, like, horror scene. And it's just like, it's so interesting that he just, like, did that for that part of it because it's like how JoJo would imagine finding a Jew, this thing that he's built up in his mind as this 10 year old idiot for it to actually happen to him. I think it was just pretty like a pretty genius way to play it. And shout out to Thomas and Mackenzie as well, who also with what you just said, so Taika's direction of it all is fantastic. But then she nails the performance of it too. She comes out like a, like she understood the assignment of, I have to introduce myself to Jojo. Like I'm his greatest fear. Like I'm the scariest thing in the world to him. Um, but then she's able to nail those couple moments of comedy. Like you just said, where he's like, a ghost. It's like no, you like like you uh-huh. idiot. <laughs> Another yeah. thing I didn't really think of until just now is that how long has she been in that house? How long has she had? How long has she been able to hear through the walls conversations between JoJo and Hitler and JoJo and his mom? Can you imagine like not knowing like who this ten year old boy is and he's talking to this like seemingly grown man in his room every night but it's just this one-way conversation um it's it's funny too because when she is coming out to be this horrible monster to him why is she coming at him like that and it's like partially it's because uh rosie told her that her son is a devout nazi and he's not gonna like this idea of a of her being jewish and living in the walls um but also, she's probably heard his like Nazi rants like for a while, ho- however long she's been in there. So she knows how how 
dedicated he is. What are you laughing at, David? I just imagine in his sleep, he's just like, swastika. (laughs) (laughs) You know how in like grade school, like everyone drew those S's where you drew the three lines on your paper? I just imagine that just they just drew swastikas like all day long. Just everywhere. You're like in sand at the beach. You're carving it on trees with like your, I don't know what they... Like with any food he was eating, like Twizzlers, you put You could do a you could do a super bad mashup where it's like Jonah Hill driving drawing swastika dicks, like yeah, it's just just straight up everything. Um, <laughs> the, the the my favorite line in that scene is when he he goes to his room and it's like she took your knife and he's like I know, and then Hitler's like there could be hundreds of them living in the wall, and he he does like a little look back. Well, the funniest thing after that too is uh. Uh, Jojo's like, what should I do? He's like, I don't know. What am I, a, an expert on Jews? <laughs> well, also, doesn't he say like Jojo? It like once again, it plays the stupidity of the Nazi party and Hitler's when um, doesn't Jojo say like she used her mind control powers? And it's like <gasps> he like freaks out. <laughs> <laughs> well, well the, yeah. H- Hitler knows everything that Jojo knows, no more, no less, right? And yeah. I think. That- one of the beauty be- that's another really awesome part about why you have to have imaginary hitler in in this movie is because jojo can be saying one thing like one opposite position and then hitler is saying another thing which is kind of like what is happening in the duality of his mind he's yeah. he's being torn already like oh maybe you know this and then hitler's like nah maybe this and so it's already this like conversation that he's already having in his own head and it's best represented this way I, I like too. He goes back with another knife, and she immediately takes it from him. And Hitler's like, "Now she has two knives." He's like, "I know." <laughs> Later on, he's like, "Where's all my fucking knives?" Scarjo's like, "Where are all the knives?" Well, and even funnier too. Scarlet Scarjo takes a bath, and he's just standing outside with another knife, like to guard no, her. It's like a, it's like a switch. It's because because Hitler says you can't give her any more knives, and he's like, "Yeah, I get it." So he gets another weapon. Like when he comes at her with no more knives, it's a ladle. Ah, man, it's great. Well, it's and he's like he. He sort of this is like one of the most interesting parts of the movie to me. And I'm almost wondering, like, if it could have been written a little better. But like. Watch your damn mouth. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, this won the Oscar, so it couldn't have been written any better. But he knows about her. She knows about him. And I was like, it's it's not very well spelled out that the mom knows about her at first. And then, like, does she like you know, what is Jojo supposed to know? And like it, it like the way the dynamic of is kind of interesting, but then of course, like the next scene, ScarJo is talking to Elsa. And so it's like, it's spelled out for you, but like, she's like, don't tell your mom or I'll cut your head. And it's like, well, wait, why? And it's just like, Oh, because in the next scene, she's like, if he finds out about you, because my 10 year old's a Nazi, I'm going to have to kick you out. Like I'll have to choose him. Which is a uh, fun fact uh, the alternate title of this movie, My 10 Year Old is a Nazi. <laughs> well, there's the funny line. She's like, It took him three weeks to get over the fact that his grandfather wasn't blonde. That was, that's a funny line. Yeah. I forgot about that line till now. But no, but you're right. I do think that is a, that's kind of a point that like does make your head turn a little bit when you're like, Okay, why does this have to be such a secret? But it, it also shows the tragedy and she doesn't necessarily know what her son will do and and she is fearful and i think her playful nature of it too it's indirectly 
her almost trying to save Jojo herself and bring him out of this Nazi thing, but she's afraid she can't and knows she probably can't. And and that's the beauty of the fact that it's really Elsa who does it. Um, the thing she was afraid of him to find for what he would do ends up being the thing that saves him. So um, there's so much there. That's why I said like, this movie so much. I've I've like talked to people who watch it and they're like it's stupid. It was just dumb. It was just dumb humor. I'm like, it's so deep. Like, Nico, Nico so just Nico just turns to those people. He's like, oh well, that's a shame. I can't oh, be your friend anymore. It's a shame <laughs> because if you didn't see all that, I mean, there's so there's so much in here. Same as Ragnarok. Uh, the other thing too is. <laughs> I'm not denying that. I don't. Like <laughs> I'm not denying that. I just don't like it. You, you and my. I think wife. we're. All, I think we're all unanimous with with just Love and Thunder was just bad. Oh God, yeah, I haven't yeah. finished it yet. I don't know what happened there. I think it's just too much comedy. Um, yeah, yeah. They should have just put more Christian Bale and less um, Valkyrie, and it would have been a better movie. But I'll but be honest, he he. That's a movie where I think he. He got too many. He took away the wrong part of why people loved Ragnarok. Yes, because I'll I'll admit Thor. Outside of Black Adam, Thor: Love and Thunder is one of the worst aging movies of the year for me. But I will say this: Taika's great at emotion. The Jane stuff I think is really great, and even but, how it ends and the way that movie ends, I'm I give him credit. I'm like he. That's a movie where the first half of that movie, when I saw it, I'm like, this might be the worst movie I've ever seen. And then by the time the movie was over, I had tears. And I'm like, well, he somehow got something out of me. So I can't uh, quite uh, say it's a total crapshoot, but it's, it's, I think he, him and Feige were like, oh, just do the comedy, comedy, comedy. And he's like, okay, I'll just sprinkle in the Feige. Feige is turning out to be such an idiot, like, like, like a parent idiot to me. And so, so with Ragnarok, I I always think of those as two movies. You have the Hulk and the Grandmaster stuff, and then you have the Hela and the Ragnarok stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're so separate in my mind that I sometimes forget that they're the same movie. And I think Ragnarok, Ragnarok I'm going to say it right, uh, looks it is good because he mixes those two pretty well together and they come, they, yeah, they balance and they come well in the end, but the hella stuff is the more powerful stuff. And the Hulk stuff is the more fun stuff. And I think exactly Mm -hmm. what you said, Nico is that they were like, what they, they got all the fans reactions and they were like, Oh shit, people really like the Hulk stuff. And it's like, no dude, like the emotion was in the hella stuff. And so when making love and thunder, they were like, we'll save a little bit of that to the end, but mostly fill it up with just fun shit. And then and, everyone was like, nah. And I think he also like, and it's Foggy too, don't get me wrong, but I also feel like of all the directors in phase four and even three, I believe the I believe the director whose personal touch is present the most in the MCU is Tychus. Like his movies, you're like, that's him. Like in other and, movies, and like, guns and guns and gu- and guns. Sorry, and gun. But like particularly in Phase Four, at least like Tychus, the movie between Coogler, between Zhao and Tyka and Raimi, like. Tyka's the one where you go, oh, that's uh, his movie. Raimi, Raimi was uh, strong. Raimi, like, I'm a Sam Raimi guy, and I actually love Doctor Strange too. Raimi's is pretty much all there. You can see, yeah. I think, some of the middle stuff with the Illuminati. I'm like, oh, that's when, like, 
that was more of like the studio saying like you have to do some of these things but taika between ragnarok and love and thunder that you can tell like he's not touching any of that movie like he didn't touch a single thing i also think taika and he underestimated the audience again like to where they're like that they they don't even want the emotion. Like we can't even make it that deep because they're just going to sit there and laugh or not get it all. Whereas this movie is his perfect balance of the comedy and the emotion. In my it, opinion, like this it, is his best made movie. It's his best made movie. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. It's his best made movie. And of course, I mean, we're not going to have you on the podcast, Nico, without talking about some MCU comic I know. book. You were going to have geek stuff. It's going to come up at some point. So anyways, but yeah, one last thing i want to say is it, it is interesting too like when you watch how she talks to jojo versus elsa you mean the first the front scarlett johansson puts on with jojo versus like the real adult talk she talks with elsa and like you know you're gonna grow up one day and like oh you have to fight them and like um and and she says this line it's harkening back way before the mcu talk started with you guys but um she's like i know my little boy is in there somewhere and that's like the point is like she's that's why she's like keeping this from him and that's why she's like still just loving him is because she's like she knows she can get him out of this or she, at least she hopes she's holding out hope because it's her son um and i think that is like part of the like the powerful like point of the movie and then also just like scarlett johansson's performance and then we get the swimming scene which is just funny. And I love, I love Rockwell's line of like, yeah, we're, uh, we have to train in case they ever have to fight, uh, you know, the Americans in a swimming pool. Yeah. The, the subtlety of, of sprinkling the tragedy of, of this whole um, thing throughout the movie is great too. Cause you, you see people throughout the movie without legs, without arms who are the tragedies of war. But then you have, Hitler in the most ridiculous swimwear I've ever seen, you know, swimming, swimming underwater. Um, But it just melds so, so well together. And I, when, when rebel is stretching him out, is it, does it hurt so much because of his injuries or is she like, would that hurt anyone that much as, Mm -hmm. as far as she was stretching him? I think it was mostly accelerated because of his injuries. Right. So I think so. I don't know. David. I didn't think about. I didn't think about it at all. It's not a point I thought about. I I did think it was funny that like, and this is just like a plot device where he uh, he goes to him. He's like, "What if I found a Jew?" And Sam Rock was like, "Oh well, you know, you just tell us, and we tell the Gestapo, they tell the SS, and then they'd kill the Jew and the person who was hiding them, and probably a few other people just to be sure. You know, that's just the way things <laughs> These are, are going. paranoid times. These are paranoid yeah, he's, times. He's like just in that like because you. There's there's probably a point where there, he was writing this. He's like, oh wait, he can't tell the mom because she'll cut his head off. Why wouldn't he just tell other people? You know what I mean? It's like, and that's like a good way to do it. And then this is like the impetus for the book about Jews because he's like, someone mm-hmm. should, you know, at this point JoJo doesn't have a purpose. You know, he's like kind of lost. He's like, how can I help the Fuhrer? And he's like, oh, someone needs to write a book about Jews. And he's like, oh shit, that could be me. Rebel Wilson sitting on the other side of the bench and just kind of scoots her way over. Dude, that's where his like over the top humor, you know, sometimes like the other films doesn't work. That was it was so funny. Like my uncle my uncle was hypnotized by a Jew. Yeah. And Made it him gamble lose all his money. Cheat on his <laughs> wife. And then once again the funny, the brainwash. Like you just blame them when in doubt, you blame them for 
for for everything. You you catch that it was her uncle that made him cheat on his wife with her sister, right? Okay. Oh yeah. Um. So then we get the first like real meeting with Elsa, and I love like you know I was saying how complicated it all is, and then he kind of explains it. He's like, "Well, I can't tell my mom, and you can't tell my mom, and I can't tell anyone else." Because they'll kill my mom. And he's like, so it's really, it's a Mexican stalemate. And she's like, it's just a regular stalemate. Oh, I love it. Yeah. That line shoots the Mexican stalemate. Uh, once again, just the delivery of, of Thomas and McKay. I, I thought that year she could have been nominated too because she does such a good job. Yeah. She's like, what? he's like, you know, tell me about the Jews. We're like you, but human. He's like, please take this seriously. <laughs> yeah. Please take Uh. I, I I mean, man, we could, we could literally like spend the whole podcast just talking about every line in this movie and how hilarious it is. Hilarious it is, I, which is kind of what we are doing, but that's okay. Well, and the, and then along with the hilarious line, she does she has this one line where uh, she's like, "We were chosen by God. You were chosen by a pathetic man who can't go can't grow a full mustache," and it's like. She is probably given like some of the most subtly funny lines, but then also just like the most cutting dialogue because she's like, I've lost my fiance and my family. And you're just this fucking stupid 10 year old who is talking to me about Nazis. And it's like, I don't have, I don't have time like your mother does to like (laughs) wipe your butt and like help you out. So I'm just going to be real with you. And she, and she's also seeing the problem, right? She's seeing that like, it's little kids like this the little boys like this who buy into everything they don't grow up they don't give it any rational thought they just go with it and then they carry out these terrible terrible acts with little to no understanding of the world at all and so it's it's also amazing in her character and her performance how mature she is and right. almost like a veteran of the world she feels like she is dropping she's spitting facts the whole movie like you said like she's dropping dimes here and jojo half the time has no clue even what she's saying well in in a later part too um she, you know scarger's like oh you'll you'll be a woman you'll you know go to casablanca and take multiple lovers and stare an eye tiger in the eyes and she's like i don't you know i don't feel like a woman and it's like but she does right to, mm-hmm. to all of us watching her, it's like you're you're fucking lived long, you know, more lives than the rest of us. Like at least from a hardship perspective. Um, and then she's like, "Did you do all that stuff you talked about?" She's like, "No, I never stared in a tiger in the eyes." Like instantly, like she had multiple lovers and all that. Um, I feel like that scene kind of softens the blow of her death later on a little bit because mm-hmm. like she's lived her own life too. Like she's done all these things and she she was a whore in Casablanca. Is that what you're saying, Alon? You don't. You don't. You don't <laughs> really live. You don't really live until you become a whore in Casablanca. Okay, David? Well, that's my plan. You know, second life. <laughs> uh, no, I just mean like like she's she she's lived a life. And, and now she's fighting for this thing that she really believes in. And I think there's no more powerful point in the movie where she's like, if you live yesterday, today, and damn it, hopefully tomorrow, then, then they don't win. And as long as there's one, that they, they don't win. And and I think that's just so powerful because yeah, she dies protecting her, and then it's it's a it's tragic because very soon after she dies, the war is over, and she would have been okay if she if she could have held out a few more days. But it's awesome because the war is over, and she if it wasn't for her, that girl would have Elsa would have died. 
And so it's like, it's this really beautiful thing that, that even though Rosie died, she didn't really die because her, her plan to protect Elsa was followed through to the end. So it's also really powerful for everything you just said. In addition that a lot of, there's a lot of heroes throughout history that we never know about. And mm-hmm. um, while the history books aren't going to know about her, Jojo and Elsa will. Um, and they get to say that, you know, that they knew a hero and that she contributed more to, you know, Jojo. She contributed more to humanity than, you know, what the whole country did. Because what the whole country and what the Nazi party was trying to say is they're trying to change the world. They're trying to do all this stuff. And it's such a lie. It's such a farce. And yet she actually does something overt with her life to um, – she and it and it brings her line earlier full circle when the people are hanging and jojo says what did they do and she says what they could she did what she could and um her son and elsa are alive because of it and they're going to be better and they're going to hopefully go to america or stay in germany and get to live out a beautiful life they're going to go and hang out in the smelly baguette wine (laughs) cheese country of paris oh yeah do you think when Jojo like turns 18, she's going to be like, all right, let's give this a shot, Joe. Joseph. She calls him Joseph now. She calls him Joseph now. I think his his name was never Joseph. I think his name was Johannesson, I think. Yeah, but now it's Joseph in Paris. Um, <laughs> he changes, think- he changes his German Paris. heritage. Yeah. Joseph in Paris. He's probably not as proud of it anymore, honestly. Um, I also don't think anything could have softened the blow of ScarJo's death, uh, Alon, but that's just... It, it was. I think the reveal of of her shoes is so beautifully done because I think Nico Nico said it earlier where he's just distracted by all this all this stuff like a little kid would be and, and not really taking the full you know the accounts of everything happening and that's really well visually shown by the butterfly and he's just mm-hmm. so enamored by this butterfly. First, it's the posters he's trying to like stick to the wall, and then he focuses on the butterfly and he follows the butterfly. And then when he lands on his mom's shoes, it's it's like everything starts coming in. Yeah, we're not at that part yet, but yeah, it was very well done. And David hates it when I jump around. I love jumping around. You just like too. no, which which sorry, you, David. No, it's like, similar it's me and like, I'm so sorry, David. <laughs> no, what Alan likes to do is like you know he's like. Oh, you know what? Everyone wants to talk about like this one scene. So what I'm going to do is talk about it an hour and a half before in the movie so I can get to it. And then when we get to it later, I'm just like, yeah, so the butterfly thing, we kind of covered that. So let's just fucking move on. <laughs> but yeah, it was great. Obviously, it was great. It's the most poignant part of the movie. Was um, it? Back to the dinner scene with Scarlett Johansson. We already talked about the the food part of it. But I love when he's like giving her shit because she's hiding a Jew in the house, but he won't really tell her why. And then she's like, oh, you want your father? And then puts the stuff on and slams her fist. Is like, don't fucking talk to your mother like that. There was one F-bomb in the entire movie, and we have quoted multiple. It's it's. But about that scene too, as 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 fun as it is, it's so scary and real. Like because once again, her performance is so strong because she breaks that front, like she breaks the front for the first time, and she brings back whatever it was that his father was to them. Um, and that's like the first time when she tries to get something through to him, and you see her realize it, and then she goes back to herself right away. 
um, and then realize she has to bring him back by kind of playing around in a playful way again, but like using her, using his father's voice and everything um, and like still staying in character. So she's doing so much in that scene, which is like, if, if people ever questioned Scarlett Johansson as an actress, like you, you really look at this film and even this scene and be like, she does so many different things in that scene that are so awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Another, um, another thing I just want to say quickly about the, that scene is uh, he was going to eat her piece of bread that she was saving for Elsa. And I, and I didn't really, I don't, I don't even know if this is like relevant, but I, on my second watch noticed that the whole theatrics with the father, the ash on her face and the dancing distracted him from eating the, the, her piece of bread. And so I'd like to also think that that she did all that to ease him out of eating the food. And then she was able to give the food to Elsa. Mm, I like that. Well, that, that lessens the impact of the next part where she dances with him. Cause I was like, Oh, that's such a sweet little moment. Um, and then it's, it's really sweet. And then it cuts to Elsa just by herself as the music is playing. And I was like, Oh, that's fucking sad. <laughs> like it, it it just shows you, yeah. like, like you said, like hidden underneath hidden in the walls is like the sadness that you don't see is she is Scarlett Johansson's like trying to keep everything afloat. Basically. I have something to say that happens at the end of the film, but for your sake, David, I will withhold it until the end. Are you happy? Yeah. Keep, yeah, keep it to your fucking self. So next we get this uh, second talk with Elsa where it's like draw a picture of where the queen Jew lays her eggs. And like, <laughs> and what's, what's funny is um, Jojo doesn't even realize that he's falling for Elsa yet. Yep. And so he finds out about her fiance and immediately goes to the library and writes a letter about how, oh, Nathan, uh, I've gotten fat and I found someone else and I don't love you. And it makes her extremely sad because Nathan's dead and we don't know that yet. And Jojo is so like, ah, shit, is that he immediately writes a second letter. He's like, oh, found a second letter. Um, Don't kill yourself because I need you. And yeah, I'll still marry you, but I am fat. Just let you know. But um, yeah, uh, so I'll see you. It's, it's, and it's just that like naive thing too of like his, his brain is not developed where he understands like consequence or anything. So like, yeah, he finds a letter and then he's like, oh, now I have to fix it. I'll just act like I found another letter as if like, that's how quickly like mail works. Like he's able to just have the second one here. And she clearly knows that the whole movie and what we don't know is what she, is what she pays off with at the end. Um, But I think that's the first moment too, where she sees he's a good, like he is good in there. Like Rosie's son is in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah. that, because he was willing to, obviously he wrote that she knows the truth. He doesn't, but then the fact that he tried to repair it so fast, she, she learns while wow, wait, he cares about me to an extent. Yeah. She's like, Oh my God. He like, he did this thing to make me happy. And it's like, mm-hmm. because of that, like I'm hate him a little less. I think I think I I didn't really think of it as a as a way that Elsa looks at Jojo as her enemy. And I think it's because we watch movies a lot. Right. So we know this arc is coming. We know like, you know, this there's some like unsaid 
rules of film that when you watch something, you know, the titular character isn't going to be bad. Like that he's not going to run to the Gestapo and rat out his mom and get everyone killed. Yes. Jojo has to be on Elsa's side by the end of the movie, obviously, but I don't think something that occurs to me at least is that Elsa needs to be on Jojo's side Mm, at the end of the movie. Great point. And when we watch movies, we already expect this to happen. So it's like, oh, we know Jojo doesn't really pose a threat. Elsa doesn't know that Jojo doesn't really pose a threat. So she has to be convinced that he's good. So that's why she's being told by Rosie that he's good. That's why all these scenes are happening because Elsa has to be comfortable with him enough that at the end, when she walks out through that door, she has to know because he says it's okay, extremely dangerous, but okay, that we have to be, we as the audience have to be convinced why she's convinced to do that. And I think that all these scenes with the Nathan letters is the work that builds up to that. Mm. Well, I also think in order for us to like Jojo, it, we need her to like him, right? Like it's like a litmus test for us that he's like one over this person. Um, But I mean, also we always, I don't know, even as he's spouting nonsense for like, we almost can see the sweet little boy in there too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, We also aren't idiots. So we know that like 10 year old boys can't be like, like they're 10 and, and, and we've been told throughout the whole movie that he's just like, he's just infatuated with the idea, but he doesn't understand the consequence. uh Like if this main character was 20 years old, it'd be a much harder to sell a harder sell for the audience. But yeah, exactly. So next we get to the scene at the bridge with ScarJo, which is all overall just like a sweet scene. He's talking mm-hmm. to her about about love. And she's like, yeah, other people keep talking about that too. And she's like, what other people? And he's like, uh, oh shit. And he's like, oh, just other people, just random, random people. Um, I love the line of she's like, love is the strongest, uh, the strongest thing ever. He's like, no, it's metal, then dynamite, followed by muscles. <laughs> It's such a fucking you dumb bitch. Thing. You stupid, <laughs> stupid idiot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He has so many lines where he's so sure of himself. Like, he's like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I know the penis thing is true. Our rabbis wear them as earplugs, like, is later on. Uh, the shoe tying and how that's a theme throughout the whole movie mm. is mm-hmm. is beautiful, is great. I fully, ex- even watching it a second time, like, six days later i thought that he properly tied her shoes while she was hanging and when he doesn't i was like oh okay it it makes so much like beautiful it's just like a beautiful way to literally put a bow at the end of the movie where he ties elsa's shoes before she walks out and he's successful at it that whole theme leading up to it and so at the bridge where she ties the shoes together i think that's just like it, it Say what you want about Taika, but he does a really good job in in putting the thematic elements throughout the movie at a consistent basis mm-hmm. so that when it does pay off in the end, fucking pays off in the end. Are you guys one loop or two two loops when you tie your shoes? How do you guys do it? I'm uh, one. I'm I a one loop one and then loop. you pull it through, but then I'll double 
not where then I'll do the loop thing after. Oh, you're saying you're saying like make the two bunny ears first and then and then put them through each other? Yeah. No, I'm I'm a one loop guy. Yeah. I'm a See, one loop guy first, but when I do the double knot as You're a two loop two. guy? I'm a two loop guy. That's how I learned. Oh my god. That's wild. I know I'm a fucking little kid. I I somehow yeah, somehow (laughs) that makes you weaker and not as what I know what's funny about that though is it becomes such uh it becomes such a like a classically conditioned motor thing in you. Right. Where like I could tie my shoes so fast. If you make me do it how David does it, I will (laughs) it'll take me like I'll struggle. I'll be yeah. like, wait, then I gotta do that because it's such a pattern that when I have to break my pattern, I'm like, wait, one and two, and shit, it's not tight enough. Okay, one, two. Well, I will say the two, the two bunny ears, you cannot get it as tight as probably the loops. Like I've always known that, but I've never like I've never done the work to correct it. That's how I am with phone numbers. Like, um, uh, like my old, I can still remember like my my childhood home Mm. phone number my my best friend from middle school's phone number and it's not that i memorized the phone number i memorized the way i move my thumb across the screen cool yeah and so for like phones that are like different than like the flip phones it took me a while to get that movement Mm. again because i was like i don't know this dude's number eight seven nine what i don't know it i I let I just hold the phone and I let my fingers go and it's the right number. Um, so, but like an yeah. idiot savant, <laughs> you throw a bunch of toothpicks on the ground. <laughs> How many are in that box? Um, <laughs> and then the, you know we talked about seeing the battered soldiers coming home, and she's like, uh, you know, tell your mamas you love them. Like, hug, go home and hug your mamas um, is great. And then we get the next scene with Elsa. And she's like almost like trying to help him write the book now because she's like, you know, kind of developed this like affection for him. Later on, she makes clear as brotherly. Um, And there's this one point where she's like, we can read each other's minds. And he's like, can you read German minds? Because he's like, oh, shit, I don't want you to know what I think. And she's like, no, just each other's. Yeah. Germans are much too thick to, to penetrate. And his like his little relief face that he makes Uh, (laughs) yeah what's funny there's like also right after this there's like a funny hitler scene where he starts freaking out on him because he's like you're spending so much time with her he's like you this is what you told me to do he's like oh yeah you're right i'm sorry did i I make this weird like i didn't mean to make it weird it's funny that they paint him in that scene as like an insecure partner yeah right as like it's like well you've been spending a lot of time (laughs) it's like as like are you cheating on me with elsa like it's Uh. so it's so funny. And like in that aspect, like Taika is just able to perform there. Like it's so perfect. And just his body language and everything. Uh. Yeah. And then there's a couple like cool little bits after this, before we get the next scene with Elsa, where he like, he goes to uh, Sam Rockwell's character. And it's so funny. Sam Rockwell starts yelling at Finkel. He's like, I didn't want, I wanted dogs, not German shepherds. And it's the most like, classical like misdirection joke of the movie where you then turn and it's like german men dressed as shepherds shepherds. yeah like i I love that he like stuck that in there and then uh, my wife my wife watched this with me last night and she turns to me at that scene and she goes that's it that's the joke german (laughs) shepherds (laughs) and you're like 
Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I know you wanted to laugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and that's right after that, we get him and Freddie. Like, he's like, I'm sorry, Freddie. I shouldn't have yelled at you. You know how important you are to me. And they, we get this like moment between them. And that's the one I was talking about. Where, like, he yeah. like, looks at his mouth real quick and is like, and like inhales and then after <laughs> quickly break. It's so perfect. Oh my God. And so when, so this all leads to like more like uh, Elsa liking Jojo by him stealing the colored pencils, but we don't get introduced to the colored pencils until Sam Rockwell shows him like the new design uniform that he's been designing. And it's the most flamboyant like, <laughs> right. stuff. And he, and he makes up excuses for all of it. He's like, and the feathers are to show her fast movements. And then the, the music <laughs> is to distract the enemy. And um, I was like, yeah, that's, that's a totally straight, Mm-hmm. thing to wear and yeah mm-hmm. I, I love the touch at the end of him actually wearing that uniform like and oh, dying in so it perfect yeah with the with the eyeliner and the mascara <laughs> and everything yeah so um so he goes out to collect metal in this suit and i he first sees his mom passing out like resistance material and this is i think that's the last point we ever see scarlett johansson mm-hmm. is like from behind which is not a bad way to see scarlett johansson <laughs> <laughs> It's but. from her son's perspective, you <laughs> sicko. I ain't her son, baby. Um, and then he runs into Yorkie and he's like, this feels like paper. He's like, yeah, it's actually just paper-like. It's from our top scientists. <laughs> I think I think that is a true thing that happened at the end of the war is they wore this thing. And I think the only problem is that it's very flammable. And so they all yeah. caught on fire. Yeah. Um, and so right after he goes to Elsa and this is probably like one of the sweetest scenes with Elsa. Cause he's like, you know, I'm never going to be kissed. And she's like, I could kiss you. And he's like, you could tell in his head. He's like, Oh my God, what do I do? But he's like, no, it'd just be a, a pity kiss. I love how he doubles down on it and he stands up and he's like, listen, let's get two things straight. Okay. One, I'm a Nazi <laughs> and you're a Jew. And she's like, you're not a Nazi. You're a 10 year old that likes uniforms and wants to be in a club. And then, um, and then there's like this point where she like she turns it and looks in the mirror she's like i'm a you know i'm a dirty jew and he like immediately is like oh well, well it's like you should take a bath like what have you know what have i been doing here and like it's like this sweet moment where he's like you know he's like caring about her and not like stay in your you know stay in this room and don't don't cause any trouble stay um, in your fucking lane <laughs> <laughs> no but then we get the butterflies in the stomach and she actually yeah. she's staring at the wall at a painting and there's two tigers on it and she like stares it in the eye and I thought it was a cool little mm-hmm. touch. It's interesting where he's looking at her, looking at the tiger, looking at him, and it it but the perspective never like changes on that. So it like it goes from him cut to the tiger. And it's like he's looking at the tiger, and then it cuts to her looking at the tiger. And I, I that kind of that kind of flip of perspective was, I, I'm trying to be like really deep and like, you know, uh, cinema cinema aware. But I I don't know what it was trying to represent. I just know it's cool and I liked it. I I take it as, um, I take it as she. I think it's a really subtle, and we kind of have to, you know. I think like earlier you said you can interpret certain things how you want, even if you're the only one doing it. I do think that's the beauty of art. I think she sees that and is like, no, Rosie actually has looked at Tiger. Like it's possible. Mm. Is everything she said actually possible for me? Do you know what I mean? Like, Uh. oh, oh, she has looked Tiger in the eye. There's a Tiger right here. And I think what she says is possible for me. And I, I, I see her son change. Like, I think, 
I think that's why you put it in there. It's almost like a nod to what Rosie said, but also if I'm Elsa, just not, of course, we'll never know what her character thought explicitly, but I took it as she's like, no, she has seen, she has looked a tiger in the eye. That's Please. also like way smarter than anything Alana I have said tonight too. So it's no, like, stop. Right, no, very stop, well done. Stop, stop. No, it's very, it's very well done. Just make me feel very. Just make me feel no, very stop. little over here. It was first the wrong nothing. I'm on David's shit list all of a sudden. I'm never going to get invited back. No, honestly, you just make us better. So yeah, you'll be back. <laughs> also, David doesn't make the decisions. Um, <laughs> just who, who's the gotten work. the majority of the guests? Huh? Who's gotten the majority of the guests? Anyway, and that's really poignant too. Because you you have the whole this whole thing um, where and it starts with that conversation. She says she's dirty. She takes a bath. They stare at the tiger. She does her hair. Um, I'm, they listen to a vinyl, or she's either just going through his vinyls. And this is the, the he's really opening up. They're really opening up to each other. And you have this really like this big moment where they're 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 almost playing house together in this right They're They're outside of, from just being in the upstairs area, they're downstairs and, and they're comfortable. And then boom, the Gestapo arrive. Yeah, and so when we, I we gotta get back to the plot. <laughs> and so what's funny is when I was like, I made like a little outline and sent it to you. When I had this in my notes, I had it as the Heil Hitler scene, but I was like, I'm not sending that via Google writing Hitler yeah. in, in an email. You put, so. on a watch list. you put on a watch list real fast. So it's it was the Elsa becomes Ing scene. Um, but like we already talked about this. It's one of the funniest scenes. It's like showing the, the bureaucracy and like stupidity of this. And also you get to see like, I mean, there's the one point where Elsa has to say Heil Hitler and, you know, the pause. And she's like, am I actually going to do this? And she's like, I fucking have to do this. Um, and, you know, the way that... Um, Sam Rockwell does it too. So there is like some nuance into it. And like you get something out of the characters as, as they are forced to do this bullshit that they always have to do, but it's also just funny. Yeah. The, the ridiculousness <laughs> of it and everything like that. Uh, you, you notice too, like the Gestapo is uh, surprised that Sam Rockwell is there. And he's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, Oh, cause he knew he must've known that he was, that the, um, I was going to call them the rabbits jojo's family uh is going to be checked upon the gestapo and he comes i think it's not scarlet scarlet johansson's probably already dead yeah Does, that you think so or, i think she's either caught or dead and he needed to see if jojo was yeah also yeah caught or dead. but yeah, then doesn't he, tell jojo about it at all <laughs> yeah dude how do you break the news i mean i don't even um the the thing is though is that oh man it just it just comes full head at the end but the fact that he even shows up at the house anyways is just the beginning of hinting of his of his redemption arc kind of just checking up on the family and then covering for elsa's is another huge thing that happens um you may have heard that hitler has one ball but that is a lie he has four <laughs> Why? Why do you? Why do you think? Like, I guess it's they're doing such a thorough check upon the house that they would have eventually come and discovered the cupboard. So she might as well have just she's cleaned up now. So she's might as well has just presented herself. 
I, I think that's the that's the thought is she was like, I'm going to get caught. So don't get caught. This is like my best option. What's funny is then like afterwards, she kind of like she hides back in the cupboard because she's like, I got the date wrong. I got too comfortable and like I fucked up. And now it's like I need to go back into my hole. And Jojo comes in there. And he's like, what? You can be my sister. And she's like, we can we're friends. We can be friends. He's like, you're a Nazi. I'm a Jew. We can't be friends. And she's like done a 180 where she's like, no, this is, you know. That I'm I'm not. This can't happen. And then that's that's the last time. No, it's not. I'm sorry. I was going to say that's the last time we see her until the end. But this after this is where he sees the butterfly and then um, sees his mom. And I cried. I cried like a fucking little yeah. baby. I um I remember when I saw this in theaters and um. And then with everyone else I watch it with, like there's sometimes where you, I like watching movies I love with people yeah. and not that I'm staring at them the whole time, but for certain moments I go like, I want to feel their reaction or see their reaction or something. Even if we just talk about it after the movie, this in theaters, there's a good amount of people in there. Like you felt the air get sucked and there's a different level of silence all of a sudden. But then each time I've watched with someone, like I don't even look at them. I just hear like the, and even when it's not overt, like it's not that loud, I'm like, I feel like I just felt everything. It sucked out. It's such a, it's such a heartbreaking but well done scene, and I love it so much because um, I'm big. I've always this is gonna sound strange, but I've I've always been fascinated with like the symbolism of certain things, and a butterfly is one of them. Mm-hmm. And I love his choice of, and he might not have once again. I might be overshooting myself here, but like. I know butterflies do symbolize change and transformation and stuff, but they also symbolize like hope and comfort and positivity. And I think the butterfly landing on her was trying to sum up everything she was and everything she tried to be, which was the change and everything. She tried to be comfort for her son. But then that's the minute where Jojo really changes too. I don't know. Don't know if you noticed, but the butterfly was blue. Yeah. And she, she was wearing blue. Yeah. 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 So it was his mom. I think I yeah. can see it that way. Yeah, uh, he, his acting I, was his acting oof. was so great in that scene yeah. too. Like that is, you know, he's doing all the comedy before, as I said, and then just that is so perfectly done. Like it, he his, should have gotten nominated for this. Uh, I agree with you. I'm other members of his family is in the movie. Fun fact. Oh, really? His twin brothers are uh, Rebel Wilson's eight kids, and they just copied them four times. Are you serious? That, like, oh wow, yeah. You know, you remember I all those little that. blonde, yeah, blonde yeah. kids. Those are those are Roman's actual twin brothers that are copied four times. That's his. I didn't know that. Oh, that's wild. <sighs> yeah, this it's a good scene. It's Did good you scene. know that, David? Did you know that? No, why did I mean no? I I I failed to mention earlier when they were talking about the the girls at the summer camp. And they're like, "You guys are going to learn skills like knitting and how to make babies." <laughs> oh my like, god! Yeah. I have eighteen children. The uh, the scene where JoJo just runs up and stabs Elsa is heartbreaking what's interesting too is that the first time i watched it, I, it the scarlet joe death scene came out 
a fucking left field for me that mm-hmm. I didn't cry at all. I just I just stood there in like shock and well, horror. Like shock. Oh, absolutely. And the second time I watched it, I bawled even before like before he even saw the butterfly, I started tearing mm-hmm. up because I knew what was coming. But and then I was like slowly getting over it. I was like, you idiot, I know it was coming. Stop it. But when he stabs Elsa. The first time I watched it, that's when I began to really tear up because he just puts all of his hate and anger to her. It's like all all that they were working on is just gone in that moment, only to be brought back when um, Germany is under attack. And I think that that's beautiful, too. It, mm-hmm. it reminds me of that scene in Casablanca. And I mentioned it because we just David and I just did it that's um, right. is uh, is when Rick is. Uh, in that flashback scene, oh shit! What's her name, David? The love interest, Ilsa. Ilsa, ah, see, mm-hmm. uh huh. So Rick and Ilsa are uh, in Paris, and they're like in like a restaurant, and they're looking out out the window as Paris is being invaded, and it's like the the shot of their two heads looking out the window as like the the shit happens out back, and it's like the shot of the back of the head. Which in JoJo, it's the shot of of JoJo and Elsa hmm, uh, looking at uh, Germany being invaded by the Allies, mm-hmm. and I just I took it helps watching movies back to back in 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 that sort of way. Uh, but I made the instant connection that I felt like that's what Taika was kind of paying homage to was Casablanca in that moment. Well, the going to Casablanca and having two lovers. Like, well, you know. she didn't say Casablanca. She said Morocco, but I didn't correct mm. you because I'm not an ass. So, do you happen to know which country Casablanca's in? No, I know, but she didn't say Casablanca. She said Morocco. Okay, but you're aware, though, right? I just want to be aware. clear. Uh, yeah, you're very clear. I get it. Maybe you didn't want to spell it out because you didn't want idiots, you know, to figure it out. So I had to tell you about <laughs> it. Mm. Um, and he obviously tries to stab Elsa because he like blames her, but it's like this this like quick moment of like anger mm-hmm. and then he can't even he can barely even stab because one he's he's a, like a weak little kid and then two like he's, his heart isn't into it um, i also think that knife is a piece of shit and i think them building yeah. up like the the nazis building up how awesome and like needed that knife is throughout the whole movie for it to like barely go into someone yeah, yeah. maybe he's with with straining but i think it also calls to the fact that they build up a bunch of their shit that is just dumb just yeah. like that knife. That's how I took it too. When I was, um, so I used to do this, I uh, had this job where I would go up here in court and like just for random hearings. And so I went to this, uh, I had like an hour drive and I got there way earlier than I thought. And so I went into like a, um, an antique shop and I was walking around and there's this display case with like World War II stuff. And there was a Hitler youth dagger in there. And I was like, wow. oh, that's interesting. I was like, that's kind of a weird thing to own though. Like, you know, I like history. I like World War II history. It's like, I don't know, but how do you explain to people? You know, how do you explain why, to people? Oh, why oh, you have a Hitler? Yeah, why you have, have a Hitler? Right. Dagger. So, because no, no good explanation would have been like, oh, it was passed down from me in the family. No, that's yeah. bad. And then the other one is, oh, I went out of my way to buy it. Also, not a good explanation. <laughs> so, I then go to the court hearing, and I'm sitting next to this older guy who's an attorney. And this other guy comes up before the judge and he's like, hey, we need extra time because, as you know, I'm filling in for this other attorney who, um, you know, who's passed away. And then um, the judge is like, oh, OK. And then this old guy next to me turns to me. He's like, 
Yeah. When they searched that guy's house, they found memorabilia in his house. Nazi memorabilia. I was like, okay, yeah, there is no explanation. There's no yeah, explanation. There's no, it just no looks bad. It looks bad. <laughs> anyway, so we get like a montage of, of the war entering. Uh, uh, there's the funny scene with Yorkie where he's holding the fucking missile. He's like, oh, hi, Jojo. <laughs> it fucking blows the door. Oh, my uh, God. There is one line here, and like it's coming from a kid. So it's like, if I think if you are trying to nitpick this movie, like that sort of cuts your your nitpick but he's like you know it turns out hitler hid a lot of things from us and that is sort of like if you had that from like a sam rockwell it's like oh he he hid a lot from us it's like you're defending nazis right like oh i just i didn't know you know what i mean but like i think coming from york it's like turns out he was actually kind of a bad guy uh and then i i love too where he's like yeah hitler hitler killed himself and then the next time we see hitler there's like a bullet hole through his head that's so that once again tiger's attention to detail and i didn't catch that i i caught that he was pretty beat up but i didn't catch the bullet hole with characters and 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 stuff in the plot his attention to detail in, in this movie is awesome yeah and then um one other cool thing which i just i read it and then I like when I watched it the second time this week, I was like, oh, that is in there. And I think it's purposeful because one, like timing of this, Taika had um, already done Ragnarok and then was still, you know, still in the MCU. But there's this one point where uh, Jojo hides and then you hear this guy like go, come on. And then another guy goes, we're behind you, Cap. And then it was actually oh. in the subtitles too. And like, someone was like, Oh, that's like Captain America. And if you listen to the come on guys, it's fucking sounds like not like Chris. It sounds like someone doing like a Captain America, like impression almost. So, um, I thought that was like a nice little detail. Uh, and then this is when, uh, Jojo gets captured for what, when I, when I was watching it this first time, like this week, I was like, I remembered it lasting a lot longer and seeing more harrowing, but he like, he gets captured. And then like Sam Rockwell immediately like saves his ass. Yeah, that's the scene I cried both times I watched. <laughs> oh, every time! Oh, it's a fantastic scene. It's it's amazing. You cried because a Nazi was killed, Alon. <laughs> wow. You 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 know what, man? You can twist it any way you want, but the fact is, is that he does it with such, such. Uh, he just threw it away, man. You know, he just he just threw it away. But he he did it with such. Uh, uh, he knew he was gonna die. He 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 knows that the Nazi ten year olds aren't really Nazis. Like you mm. know, he knows that, and he knows that they don't deserve to die. But he doesn't know that the Americans know that, right? So mm-hmm. he does it in the smoothest way. He takes off that hair. He's like hair hat. He's like, look at you. Let's get you all fixed up. Ba 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 ba. And then in one swift move it movement, he just pulls off the jacket and throws him another down the ground. And I'm tearing up talking about it because, God yeah. damn it, it's so fucking it's well so, done. Well, he knows, right? He knows that's the way he's going to save him. Is by almost like, who knows? He might have been that they might have kept him alive because he was he had officer status, but he knew like he had to go full Nazi, yeah, and like and like really push this kid away to to <laughs> to get himself killed to save him because it's also it distracted one set of soldiers right well, and who knows it was just the other soldier was like oh let's just like let this kid go then because the ones who capture him saw the jacket on him yeah, yeah. no 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 but, yeah so like he had to really sell it and um what's sad too is 
Jojo's emotion saying, no, no. Like, and, 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 you know, if I was one of the soldiers too, I'd be like, why is he doing this? But it's, it's, he was just a kid, you know? So it's, Oh, there's a lot of emotion we, in that scene. We know why he's doing it because he he looks at him as his friend. It's his friend. Yeah. And I love the first when he throws him on the ground and he spits at him and he's like, get this damn Jew off me. And and Jojo looks at him like, what? I'm like confused. And then when he gets it, it's this horrified look because he, he understands everything now. And I, I think David said it earlier is that this fucking little kid just plays the hell out of emotion like he can go from confused to horrified and we buy it we we buy it like that and Mm -hmm. it's great well the other thing i want to say too is like sam rockwell's character is like no like knows he deserves to die right Mm -hmm. even though he like when he's like you know your mom's a good person like an actual good person he's he's like he's fine with dying. Cause he's like, I've been a part of this horrible thing. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I deserve this. Um, so it's like, he doesn't even fight. And he's like, you know, he tells Jojo, he's like, don't go Jojo. It'll, it'll be fine. Um, and it's like, yeah, I mean, that's like of the moments in this is probably like the second, like saddest moment. Um, and then we get up with Yorkie. Yorkie's always there to make us feel better. And he's like, seems it's like it, I can never die. It's a really bad time to be a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> um, a call a callback to that line where he's like, it's a really bad time to be a Nazi was way earlier in the beginning, in the first act, as we call it, where Rebel Wilson is like, It's a it's it's a wonderful time to be a woman. The walk to his front door and like realize because uh, Yorkie's like oh you're that means your girlfriend can you know go now and it's his realization that she now has no reason to stay with him and it's mm-hmm. his lie and everything like that it's just exact it's exactly what a 10 year old would kind of make up in his head you know it's staying true to the character which is it, more it's, powerful that way it is true but I also think it's kind of a weird thing to do like right at the end of the movie to lie and then th- two minutes later fix your lie did he fix it because he he drop kicked hitler out the window is that no he fixed it because he he fixed it because he's like we're gonna escape and then takes her outside and um she obviously realizes like that that you know he tells her that germany's won the war and then takes her outside and it's obvious that germany has lost the war (laughs) is it obvious because of the american flags flying around yes yes that's why it's obvious um when when i'm confusing my timeline when does he drop kick hitler out the window in between lying to her and then taking her outside there's like okay. one last moment where he's like you know hey um what uh you know hitler comes to him and he's like and this is where hitler's got his head's blown he's like oh we need to we need to uh to do this and she's like you need to come with me and you know put on this nazi thing he's like fuck off hitler and kicks him that's right. That's right. And then he that's his turnaround. He goes back and the callback to how is it dangerous extremely yeah. thing, tying the shoe. Yeah. One thing too that's I think and, and I want to make sure I have I have this right. Um that's why I'm so glad it won the Oscar for adapted screenplay when I when I found this out. Um because the writing of this movie is so strong. I forget it's if he if he combined two books, I know it said it's based off one book, but I think he combined something in a second book. And the original, if I have this right, or I might have, I might 
be I've I've read this somewhere, but I'm pretty sure in the original material the book is so much darker. And I actually think the movie ends where he lies to Elsa because he needs to keep her there. And then that's how it ends. It has like this really weird dark ending because well, way to fuck my Elsa. day up, man. But and that's why I think his biggest change was no that's why Taika made that change at the end is no, he's going to lead her to freedom. I think, cause there's another book, I think it's called, uh, it's, it's, it's something skies or cage in the sky or something. So Caging skies. I have it yeah. here. Um, Jojo rabbit is based on the novel caging skies by Christine. Lunen. Caging skies. And okay. are you fucking reading Wikipedia again? No, it's not Wikipedia, <laughs> but I am, I am reading the internet. Um, but it, it it apparently is saying that the movie was only adapted by Caging Skies. Like okay, that was, so that was not the only, a second piece. There's not a second okay. book. The fun thing was is that all the main characters of the film are present in the book, like verbatim, except for Imaginary Hitler. That was Taika Waititi's only yeah. add-in. Okay. That was that was not in the book at all. Is the ending the same though? I'm I don't know. Okay, That's not in my I'm thing. pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the the original ending. It's much darker because the German literature is always like very dark. Because I think it's a German book. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure the the original ending in the book it ends where he lies to her so that she stays with him, and that's kind of how it ends. But I love what the film does because it's beautiful. And then playing Heroes by David Bowie, which is one of my favorite songs ever. Um, it's such it's a not by David picture. Bowie. It's by German David Bowie. <laughs> well, yeah, German in this sense, German David Bowie. But I, but I love, too, his direction. Once again, it comes full circle. When she's free, she wants to dance. And she doesn't say she's free. He goes, what are you going to do? And she knows she's free. So she just starts dancing. And they both dance. And uh, It's such a cute, innocent, beautiful scene. First, she has to smack him because he lied. Um, Probably deserved that. He took it well, though. He took it well. He took it well. One thing I, I don't know if you guys noticed, but all the way up to the to the last act of the movie the town where they are is like really really beautiful it's like these really bright mm-hmm. color buildings and everything like that and there's only one scene before the end where the whole town is depicted gray is where he finds yeah. his mom hung mm-hmm. even after that the town is again really bright and beautiful in all these colors yeah as the mortars and the missiles and the bullets hit the buildings all this gray appears and it's the concrete that's being hidden under all the paint and stuff like that what's really cool is that at the end of the movie where she walks out of the house the entire town is back to being colorful again it's almost like it i don't want to say that it's depicting like almost like the war never happened but it's just the representation of all this gray and dark and gloom and doom and just being and then when they walk out of the house boom all the destruction is just gone yeah it's hope right it's, it's yeah. representing hope that they both have now um i wonder what happened to the dad you know maybe he, he might have showed back yeah. up i kind of wish they yeah. had like a famous person well, be the be no be the photo of the dad so you're like oh man like uh Fucking Ryan Reynolds is going to show up any day. It's, and like, it's, be all right. <laughs> it's like Josh Brolin. It's like Mark Ruffalo. It's like someone really distracting. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds is a great one. Ryan Reynolds is a great one because he has some wild. Ryan Reynolds has some wild cameos. Like in Ted, he's like the secret lover of um yeah 
of the guy and he, he doesn't have dialogue he just shows up and smiles oh there was a movie there was a movie recently that i watched i don't know if it was a recent movie but it was just like fucking ryan reynolds just shows up there i can't remember it right now but it's like with uh Great ryan johnson yeah, thank you. It's with uh, Ryan Johnson has Joseph Gordon-Levitt in all of his films somehow. Yes, yes. It, it, it's just like, yeah. It's, fucking Chris Hemsworth is the dad. I don't know. Yeah. That would be wild, yeah. Uh, no, he's the dad in uh, Star Trek. So He is the dad in Star Trek. I, uh, one, one other thing that I, um, I didn't notice, but I read about it, and then you pick it up on second watch, but Hitler's uniform keeps changing, and it's actually like, I guess somewhat accurate to the way his uniform changed like in real life. But like at the end, he's wearing this like very gray uniform as he has like the bullet hole through his mm. head. So just like, it's also showing like the deterioration of Hitler going on. It was the same mm. as like deterioration with Jojo and his relationship. So, mm. um, and also the deterioration what... of the German army, like as a whole. Throughout. Yeah. Well, we saw that with them, like all being imprisoned and shot to death. So that's how we, they depicted Thanks. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think I need to ask what we all thought of it because I'm pretty sure we all just like loved on yeah, this movie no. for two yeah, hours. But it. yeah, yeah, I love it. Fucking great. Yeah, it's, I'm it's so good. I'm I'm glad I watched it finally, and I'm mad at you, David, for partially it's your fault on why I waited this long. I just I can't wait on you. Like I'm not gonna wait on you. Sorry. Just get your life together. Um. Nico, I, I want to say I, thanks for uh for yeah. joining us on this because you're fucking great. You make oh, us look, making us look bad in a bunch of these spots. Stop, like, well stop, actually dude, what you guys stop. missed. No, I, that was all my own <laughs> Nothing missed. That was just... analysis of the film. <laughs> That's supplemental for me, but dude, you guys are fucking legend. Thanks so much for having me. I, I can't wait to be back. Hopefully we can all do something cool soon again and um talk about some other things. Um but and I'm going to cheesily say this again. I'm so glad I finally got to be on. I finally watched. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs>